stand before you all to present to you a portion of uh, God's word. And I just want to thank Brother May for the opportunity, and more importantly, even considering you for this opportunity. I'm definitely thankful because I said it, it is a blessing. I, uh, I was sitting there, and my wife, she told me before I got up, she said, hey, uh, you're not going to use me, are you? And I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Until she went through my Bible, she saw the pages that I had. She said, that's a lot of pages. And it's a lot of pages, and I had explained to her, like, the reason why there's a lot of pages is because I couldn't see it, so I had to blow it up so it made more pages. So, <laughs> just want to share this with you all. Uh, when I study, I like to call different people that I know are also studying the Word. Because what it does for me, it gives me an opportunity to enhance my perspective because there's some things that I may have missed. There's some things you know, that I didn't see. So what it does, again, is it gives me an opportunity see different set of eyes. And um, while I was preparing this particular lesson, I called Brother Nate and we spoke about some things pertaining to this study. And afterwards, he joked and when he saw me, he said, hey, you doing writing the Bible? And the point to all that is, I believe in being thorough. Because I understand the care and consideration it requires when handling the word. Those things, that point is not missed on me. So I just want to make sure I, I gave it the care and consideration because I'm standing up here standing on God's word. Also, what it did for me is it helped me to continue to understand the importance of wise counsel. I, uh, when you get opportunities like this, the first thing you do is like, what am I talking about? What's the topic? What's going to be the topic? But I was speaking with someone much wiser than myself. He said, hey, you know, whatever you speak on, you know, ensure that you work it out for you. You apply it to your life and you work it out for the scriptures. Because if it's real for you, then it'll be real for someone else. And so the, uh, what happens is you just get up in your shit. You know, because the benefit is in the study. So hopefully that's that's my intent. So I wanted to come before you all and just share with you all some things that benefited me in my study. Conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is one of those things. It's, for us as Christians, it should be an everyday thing. You know, and the reason why it's so important is because we've got to understand the need to resolve anything external or internal, any conflict that we have in our lives because we've got to be able to move forward to the will of the Father. So conflict may hinder us, so we've got to understand the need for that resolution. So for some of us, it's easier. For some of us, you know, it's, it's, you know, we kind of work through that thing, but a lot of times, it's difficult for a lot of us. So before we begin to understand what needs to be resolved, let's understand how we can be conflicted. But I mean, what we'll do is we'll just generally define what conflict is. These are definitions that I found from just the random, random house, this is the unabridged dictionary, so there's nothing spectacular, just some general definitions of conflict. So conflict is to come into collision or disagreement, be contradictory at variance or in opposition. A fight, battle, struggle, especially a prolonged struggle, strife, controversy, quarrel, discord of action, feeling or effect, antagonism or opposition. Now there is no unity in those definitions. We understand that there's going to be some push and some pull. There's going to be some resistance. So now we understand that as a definition of conflict. So now let's look at some types of conflict. We can have conflict with the world. There can be positive conflict. A lot of times when we think about conflict, we think about the negative aspect of conflict. But there is some benefit to conflict for us as Christians. We just have to remember that we have to be living our lives in such a way to receive that blessing. There's internal conflict. That means we've got to deal with us. We've got to get over ourselves. This morning, and just to veer away for a moment, Bible study this morning, I was so amazed at how the Spirit worked because a lot of things that I was talking about in Bible study actually pertain to this particular lesson. So it just amazes me how the Spirit works. And so now, and then also we have conflict among the brethren, conflict in the body. Just because we're not invincible to conflict. We've got different people who make up the body. So there's going to be some, some room for some disagreements. And we've got to understand how to resolve those conflicts if they come to that. But regardless of the definition of conflict that we need, regardless of the context that we use it, 
the resolution will always, always come from the Word of God. Amen. Always. And more specifically for us, obedience to the Word of God and faithfulness to the Word of God. Amen. We've got to understand that. So, but our faith must be in line with the Word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says it's impossible to please without faith. We understand those things. So we also know that works for resolution as well. Because now in James 4, 7 and 10, what it does is it gives us some guidelines to kind of you know allow ourselves to be uh, looking to God to get that resolution. Verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That submission, that, that says to us, we're giving it all to God. We are allowing God's sovereign rule in our hearts and our minds. So now we have given everything. And so we see that resist the devil. That's that opposition. That's that conflict. But see, now we already have the resolution because that submission gives us that resolution. So now that resistance becomes even stronger and he flees. And so we don't need to worry about those things. So now what we do is we drop down to verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts from double-minded. That draw near to God, that's such an important and powerful piece because what that does is God's position will never change. This is God. He'll always be there. He'll always be there for us. So it's on us. It behooves us to continue to move closer to him. Do those things that move him closer to us because that's how we resolve that conflict. Whether it be external or internal, we understand that we're going to have that conflict. But again, his position will never change. It's just that we need to reposition ourselves with God. Drop it down to verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Understand that humility. For a lot of us, that's a hard thing. I, I myself struggle with humility sometimes. Understand that I've got to get out of the way. I've got to sit right. You know what you can do? You've got to get out of the way and allow God to work with these things for you. Because again, every day that we live and breathe, we're going to deal with some things. But if we say, you know what, God, I can't do this. I can't. If we say that to ourselves, that is humbling ourselves, and it says the scriptures teach us, He will lift you up. We don't have to worry about continuously confident. We can get that resolution through our humility. So now every day we're blessed to see another day. Understand that we're going to encounter confidence. Those are things we're just we're going to have to deal with those things. And but for us, we can come up with a list of things that the world does that we're going to have to issue with. Their perspectives on raising our children, or marriages, any of those things. We don't have the time to come up with a list of things that we're going to disagree with. The world guys are going to disagree with in the world. But the thing of it is, we should be the example. Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when the world sees us deal with conflict, they should be amazed. They should say, you know what? You guys are dealing with this thing and overcoming it. What is it that we need to do? And that right there gives us an opportunity to share the good work of the gospel. And so now, but also, what that does for us is that indicts us. Because we should not be in the world. We shouldn't be misrepresenting ourselves out there hooting out, getting all upset. If there's an issue, we shouldn't be, you know what, no, you, I bet you won't say it to me. Those are the things we need to understand. But it's easy. We get caught up in ourselves sometimes. And what will happen is we begin to react. And then, then what we do is we get ourselves in conflict. Misrepresenting, but again, we are to be that example. So, and again, we shouldn't get caught up in the world because we know it's good. And having the knowledge of what's already in the world, what it does for us, it prepares us. So now when we go out, we don't have to worry about, oh, what am I going to do today? Well, well what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow the word of God because I know what's in the world. Mentally, I'm prepared to deal with that. And that's where I get my resolution from. Mm -hmm. So now, we look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So now we know that there's going to be some contradictory things going on in the world. Because it's teaching that in the scriptures. 
So we essentially we've got the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are the things that we know we can get resolved if we trust in Christ. That's what we have to do. That's where the resolution comes from. Because the world is what it is. We don't even need to get caught up in the world. Like, oh, the world's doing this. No, it doesn't matter what the world's doing because they've been doing it. And if you look at John, going to the book of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, this is Christ that we're talking about. This is, this is what we're talking about, Jesus Christ. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So now we understand that the world rejected Christ, and we're followers of Christ. Indeed, we're going to face that same conflict. We're going to deal with those things. So now that's our example. So now we have our examples, we, uh, which is Christ. We have the obedience to the word, faithfulness to that word, and that's how we continue to move forward through any conflict that we have in our lives. Positive conflict. Now I said earlier that there's a, there's a benefit to conflict. Uh, so for us as Christians, for us to receive that benefit and understand that it is a benefit, we've got to be living our lives, as I said, in a way that reflects the truth. We've got to be measuring ourselves up for what the word of God says that we do. So I like to use the example of football. I like, I like to use that example. So we had, there's a, there's a football team. And they said, you know what? Our game plan today is we're going to run the football. That's what we're going to do. So now they execute the game plan. Coach says, this is what we're going to do. We're giving the football to the running back. Give it to him. Give it to him. Now he's running. That defense is standing up. That defense is doing its job. And he's not breaking through. But the important thing is he's still getting positive yards. Two or three yards here. Two or three yards there. So he's constantly getting those positive yards. So what happens is we get to the third quarter, fourth quarter. Now he's breaking five yards, six yards, seven, touch, uh, first down, fourth quarter. Now he's breaking 20 yard runs, touchdown. So now we see he can, they continue with that game plan. He got stronger in the run, continued on, and eventually he broke through. And also looking at another example, marathons. To run a full marathon, that's 26 miles. That's 26 miles. So to run that race, understanding good runners don't slow down when they get longer in the mile. They get stronger. But to get stronger, they have to have that resistance training. They have to build that strength and that That's endurance, right. understanding right. that they've got to get stronger. You can't slow down once you get towards the end because you're trying to win the race. That's right. So understanding those things, the same thing in our lives. When we're presented with conflict, it gives us an opportunity to exercise our faith. It gives us an opportunity to get stronger in our faith. Because now what we're going to do is we're going to pray more. Okay. We're going to study more. Okay. We're going to fellowship more. And so now what we do is you know, it's going to that definition, that prolonged stroke, that strike, we understand that. That's our life. That's every day that we wake up. But what we're doing is we're constantly moving forward. Because we're praying more, fellowshiping more, studying more, getting those positive yards. And in 1 Timothy 6 and 12, the scripture that was read to you today, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now that there indicates a willingness to fight. We've got to have the desire, the willingness, the want to actually fight. Because again, we don't get that strength, which is laying down. We've got to put in the work. Yes, Persistence gives us the work. So again, and this is why we fight. We have to understand the reason why we're fighting. We have to understand the reason for the conflict, the benefit of that conflict. Because it says, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Now that crown of righteousness, that's why we fight. We see that that's the end goal. Just like that running back is trying to get those touchdowns. Just like that marathon runner. That is for us what we're racing towards. That crown of righteousness, that's why we fight. And so we've got to understand that. You know, we, we, that has to be there. And so again, when we're presented with conflict in our lives, this is what happens. 
So we've got conflict comes at us. Okay, so now we understand, you know what? I'm going to pray more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to fellowship more. So now this conflict now resolved through Christ moving forward. And now more conflict comes. So guess what happens? I'm stronger now. I can move a little bit faster, a little bit longer. And conflict comes again. Guess what? I'm stronger yet still. And if I continue on that path, I'll continuously get stronger. And that's the benefit of conflict in our lives. So we've got to be able to see the benefit of sometimes being conflicted. So now, internal conflict. This was a this was a challenge for me because Hebrews 4 and 12 is where God cuts going in and out. And I, I dug deep within myself because a lot of times, you know, we won't go there. We won't look within ourselves and say, hey, you know what? Hey, maybe I'm the problem. So a lot of times what we have to do is understand how we're conflicted within. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. For what I am doing, Paul gives us, excuse me, before I even get started, I want to just give the context. Paul gives such a powerful illustration of conflict within, the duality of the flesh and the spirit. Romans 7, again, again, beginning at 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that if evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Verse 22. 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the end of man. 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Again, that's such a powerful illustration of that conflict within. And again, as Christians, we know exactly what we're supposed to do. We know, we understand because the word of God gives us our life. He gives it to us. That's our life. But also, before that, at one point in time, we were lost. There are some things that were introduced to our flesh. Emotions, whether it be emotions, people that we're dealing with, those things were there. So now, understanding that the flesh <coughs> and the spirit came to us in the same place. Right. So understanding, I guarantee you, that the flesh and the spirit are not saying, you know what, hey, you take that side, and I'm going to take this side. <laughs> no, the flesh wants it all. The spirit must consume it. So understand, there's going to be some conflict. So we see within that there's already conflict. But again, verse 24, look at verse 24, that exclamation point. And, and that's such a powerful emphasis because that's letting you know, oh, wretched man that I am. I am, I am struggling with me. And that's the conflict. So now we have the conflict. But verse 25, I thank God, Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. We understand that if we're serving Christ, we're following that example. We're doing those things that he would have us do. We have that resolution. And again, his victory over death. Christ's victory over death, what that does is that gave us the strength to overcome ourselves. Mm -hmm. So now we've got to understand those things. And again, Galatians 5, 17 and 18, it says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not in the law. So understanding that the flesh and the spirit, they're going to be at war. And that's within us. We've got to understand the need for the word of God and obedience and faithfulness to so now let's look at an example of an internal conflict. Uh, and again, in Acts, and we'll spend a good bit of a lesson in Acts. Uh, so Acts chapter 9, just to kind of give a little, little context. Uh, Saul was on the way to Damascus. 
bright light from the voice of the Lord said, Lord, Lord, why are you persecuted? So now Saul is blind. So he walked to Damascus blind. And so now we begin at verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Now that here I am, Lord, that indicates a willingness and a readiness to serve. And I said, you don't ready to go. What you got? Now this is before he knew what he had to do. <laughs> so now we go to 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Jews for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 13. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from you about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has brought the chief priest to buy an all and call on your name. Uh-oh. Ananias. If only for a minute. Ananias shows some weakness within that internal conflict. Because we understand now, Ananias knew who Saul was. You know, that's, it sometimes look at us in our lives. A lot of times there are things that we're supposed to do. God calls us to do certain things. And we immediately say, well, you want me to do what now? You know, you want me to go and do what? And if we see it, if only for a minute, we see that hesitation. Because Saul understood that, I mean, excuse me, Ananias understood that Saul was not a good man. He was persecuting a Christian. And they, he had been given the authority to persecute. So now there's an issue. Saul's got that prejudice on the inside. He's got to work through himself. That's a conflict within. He's got to get over that because the will of the Father must be done. So now what we see is we see the resolution. The resolution again comes from the word of God. But the Lord said to him, Go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So now that right there, that any conflict that Ananias had was resolved because he trusted and he was obedient to the word of the Lord. And that again has to be us in our lives. We've got to rely on that word and say, you know what, I've got something going on. I gotta get over it because I have to get this done for God. I've got to go to the words, trust in those words, believe in those words are true, because that's what we say we believe in. And that's how we continue moving forward. Again, get those positive yards. So again, looking at another example of the eternal confidence. We'll, we'll be doing some work in Acts this morning, so just bear with me. Uh, beginning at verse, I'm sorry, chapter 10. Chapter 10 begins, it talks us about quoting. Cornelius was a centurion. He was a devout man who prayed to God with arms to the people. But he was a Gentile for all intents and purposes. <coughs> so he received instructions from the angel of the Lord and he sent out the people. So that's kind of the backdrop. So, oh. so now we begin in verse 10. Then he became very hungry, talking about Peter. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So now we already see that there's going to be, if we see how this is going to go, that he's hungry. So keep that in mind. Peter's hungry. And saw heaven open, an object like a great sheep bound in four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up in heaven. So now we see some conflict, some internal conflict. Because again, as I said, he was hungry. The first thing that came to his mind, understand, Peter was a Jew. So to Jews, we can't just be worried about eating anything. You know, so now you've got all these uh, uh, four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts. So Peter didn't understand that it wasn't even about the food because he had to deal with them. And again, understanding historically, Jews and Gentiles, there was, they didn't really get along. There was a prejudice there. And Jews, you know, in their mind, they said, you know what, Gentiles, you know, you know that's not what we deal with. So understand all these things. Peter's dealing with He's got to deal with Maybe he has his own prejudices. Look at us in our lives today. Maybe we have our own prejudices that keep us from doing the will of God. 
But look at Peter, though. Peter, as we can, if we continue to read in chapter 10, Peter continuously moves forward, even though he's conflicted. He doesn't know what does that mean? What am I supposed to get from that message? What he does is he continues to move forward. He continues to understand that the will of the Father must be done. Just no different from us. We have got to continuously get over ourselves, work through ourselves. Because guess who we get it to? Guess what we've done in James 4? Submitting ourselves to God. So he's got sovereign rule in our hearts and our minds. So now he has the resolution. And so now what happens is he went to the house of police, preached the gospel to Gentiles, walked in their house. And again, as we say, Jews just didn't go into Gentiles. That just was not done. We just we didn't see that. So now you got Peter getting over himself, doing the will of the Father. And you know, that the scripture teaches the household received the Holy Spirit baptized. And added unto his church. So now we have to understand the importance of that because we've got to get over ourselves. We've got to work out that conflict within it, within ourselves, excuse me, despite ourselves. And a lot of times it's hard. That's what that humility kicks in. We've got to realize that you know what I can't. I need to go ahead and get out of here because I'm going to make a mistake out of this thing. I, I understand that. We've got to begin to say that to ourselves because realizing that that's a weakness within us actually turns into a strength because then what happens? We go back to that football analysis. Two, three yards here and there. Praying. Yeah, it's up. Now we're fellowshiping, we're studying, we're constantly moving forward and we're getting stronger. But we've got to understand there's a need to get stronger. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So now, I would be remiss if I didn't give this uh, exactly internal conflict. Father, I messed you up, buddy. Um, Luke, because it just came to me this morning. Luke 22, 40 and 44. That's Jesus. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them by the stone's throat, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. So now, that's an internal conflict. We see that. That's Jesus. Understand that he was in the form of man. Like I said, we get weak. He understood <coughs> that he was going to give his life a cruel cross for us. Now, he was conflicted because we see that. You know what? Well, he was praying. But what did he do, though? What did he do to get that strength? He went to pray. That's what we do again. That's the resolution. We pray, we give it to God. And what happens is, you know, not take this cup, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He understood that the will of the Father is far more important than anything that we have going on in our lives. Anything. And again, being in act, he prayed more. So he was still going through it. And then what did he do? He prayed some more. To the point where his, what does it say? Great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Sweat. So again, We've got to take that. We've got to apply that to our life. Because what if he had? What if Jesus had said, you know what? This is too much. I can't, I can't get over. You know what? I can't get over it. I can't. I can't. What if he had said? So now when we look at our lives, what he's done for us, the internal comfort that he worked through, that's the least that we can do. Get over ourselves. The least. So what excuse do we have? Because Jesus gave his life across for us. So we've got to understand those things when we live our lives. That obedience and that faithfulness to the word, that's what we're obedient to. So now we look at it. Conflict within the body. And when I say conflict within the body, that's sometimes we have conflict amongst each other. We, we, we have that conflict. We're individuals, that young, old, different backgrounds. Traditionally, we like to do different things. So sometimes what that does is that may set us up for a little conflict. And we've got to understand those things. And, and it's just the nature of the beast. But if we are Christ Church, 
and we serve the same age, and we follow the same scriptures, if there is a coming, we should all be looking to the same place for resolution. Okay. So now that's how we deal with those things. Okay. So anything outside of that, then we got to begin to ask some questions. we got to go back to that internal conflict. And everything that we do, if we can't get over conflict amongst amongst uh, brethren, without after looking to the word of God, we still conflict it. We need to understand. There are two things that we need to start every question that we ask ourselves. Am I? Do I? Am I the prophet? Do I prevent stumbling from the block of my life? Those are two things that we've got to ask ourselves. Am I? Do I? We've got to remember those things. So again, and tradition is one of those things that gets us a lot. A lot of times traditionally we're used to doing things. You know, we are, you know, sometimes we just get comfortable where we are, we like to do things. And what we can do, and again, like I said, it, it puts us in a position to be conflicted amongst each other. But again, there is a resolution from the word of God. And so now we're still in Acts. Still, like I said, we're doing a little bit of work in Acts this morning. Acts chapter 15. So now, we just left chapter 15. But Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles producing his household. And now you've got Paul and Barnabas, as we read on through our Acts, Paul and Barnabas, and they're out preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Verdict to the Gentiles, adding to the Bible, doing good work. Paul and Jews. So we see that they've got no one Understood. Obviously, Saul is not Paul. So he's got no vantage Trusting and obeying the word of God. So now you have some who traditionally that's not how we do things. No. What do you mean? No. No. Because in verse 1 it says, And certain men came down from Judea and talked to brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, wait a minute. Now, that's, not what, that's not what it says. But traditionally, that's what we like to do. That's what we've done. That's what we're comfortable doing. You know, that's what we think. So again, what that's doing is that's, that's putting up some conflict amongst the brethren. So now, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small decision in the spirit, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So now Paul and Barnabas said, you know what, that's y'all. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm, I'm over it. I don't have to deal with this thing. So they said, you know what, this is a problem for us. We, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take two brothers and we're going to figure this thing So now, verse 3 says, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and he caused great joy to all the brethren. And so now, even with that comment, they're still saying, they're still letting people know that hey, we're doing it. We're fulfilling the rules. We're still doing those things. It's bringing joy to the brothers. So they're not wrapped up in all that interest. They're not wrapped up in those traditions that some of those brothers were. But they understood that it could be an issue for the body. So hey, we need to resolve this thing. We need to figure out how we fix this. So now we have verse 4. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sake of the Pharisees who believed, who believed, rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law moving. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So now, imagine this. We've got a room full of men. Old, young. We've got men who are traditionally doing things that they are used to doing. And now we've got apostles saying, No, this is how we're supposed to do it. And so they're pushing that point. And I don't know how many of you all have ever been in a room. Kind of disagree. You know, if you walk into that room from the outside, you've got the conversation going this way, that way, into the everywhere. All you hear is a bunch of murmurs. And then don't let it get passionate. Because if it gets passionate, then it gets repeated. So now we're conflicting for real. Now we're going to have to deal with each other. But the, the danger in that is people, Brother Sam says all the time, drunk people are people. And that's a true statement because they are. And we've got to understand when you throw people into this, we're going to have some problems. So we've got to understand those things. So now there are, 
And again, just, just for a moment, imagine that. Imagine these men have been doing this all their lives. You trying to tell me that I'm wrong? This is, we got to do this differently. And so now that's going on. And when there had, verse 7, when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledges them by saying, by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. Verse 9. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Verse 10. Now therefore, why do you test God about putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be saved in the same manner as they. Then all, verse 12. This, verse 12, that first portion of verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silent. Now, if there's a debate, Peter stands up. Peter is conveying the word of the Father. Peter is conveying the truth. And uh, we all say we believe in the truth. We all are following the same head. That word of God, we should be the debate. Where is the debate coming from? Because that room fell silent. Because they believe. They said, you know what, Peter, you're right. You're absolutely correct. Because the scriptures are right. The scriptures are true. So now, if we continue arguing, if we continue on, we're going to have that conflict. Again, we've got to go back to that eternal conflict. The, am I? Do it. That's, what, that's for us. So we've got to remember those things. Because if we're still going on after the word of God is spoken, we have got to take a step back and say, well, what am I doing? Am I the problem? Do I prevent a stumbling block from my brother? Because the word of God is true. And we can't get around that. And again, the will of the Father will be done. So we've got to work through, not only ourselves, but we've got to understand working with other people. So now, and again, we see that there's going to be conflict. Like I said, when we evolve people, there's going to be some friction. There's just, there's just different personalities, different ways of doing things. But that's right. Galatians 2, 11 and 14. Peter and Paul had a little conflict. Had a little, had a little issue. That's right. Had a little problem. That's right. So now we see, verse 11. Now when Peter had come, came, uh, excuse me, come to Antioch, I was still him to his face because he was to be left. For before certain men came from James, he believed the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Verse 13. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their apostles. Verse 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why do you compare the Gentiles to the Jews? So now Paul says, wait a minute, you're not being honest with the gospel. You're not being straightforward with the truth. So now I've got to call you. Now we're in direct conflict because the word of God, we're not being, you're not following the word of God. You're doing things that are uncharacteristic of someone who follows God. So now we understand that there is a chance because, again, we've got people, people, you know, Peter may have said, you know what? Like, he saw the Jews come and say, you know what? No, I don't, I don't Because he hadn't gotten over himself, but that brother Paul said, hey, no. No, you be true. I got that's a conflict. So, but I guarantee you this: when we do those things, again, I have to emphasize it. When we do those things, there is a way that we do things. If we're following the word of God, there's a way that we do things. Because I guarantee, and again, I hope it's not there, but I can guarantee because the scripture teaches. When Paul spoke to Peter, there was some love there. There was some peace there. There was some long suffering. Some kindness, some goodness, some faithfulness. And there may have been a little joy in there after they had resolved that issue. So now what is that? That teaches Galatians 5, 22, and 23 says what? That, those are the fruits of the Spirit. So now when we encounter conflict, if we're dealing in the fruits of the Spirit, that's how we deal with our brother. 
And we gotta understand because we're dealing with our brothers in love because they are our brothers. I've got three boys, fight all the time, all the time. There's always conflict in them. But what happens is after that's resolved, after they get over it, they know, you know what, that's my brother. And I love my brother. There is no love bones. The same goes for us. We've got to understand that if we're doing things the way that the Word of God teaches us to do, then why are we still dealing with conflict? Why are we still conflicted within with God? We need to understand those things and examine where we are in terms of the Word of God. And again, we understand that conflict is resolved because in 2 Peter 3 15, and this is, this is Peter talking about Paul. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul. Now, that's my beloved brother. Now, he didn't call me out. You know, I wasn't doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. But he still said, that's my beloved brother. So now we've got to understand, we have got to be living in such a way that if someone does conflict with us because we're being untrue or someone is being untrue, there's got to be love there. And those fruits of the spirit that teaches us. That's how we deal with each other. Because again, people are people. And people can be fit. But the word of God is not. The word of God is true. So now, this is why it's so important. As, as I work my way towards the close, this is why it's so important. You know, we said, well, conflict, you know, well, why is that? Well, what, what's okay, we get it. We know how to deal with problems. But this is, let's take it a little bit deeper. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse, beginning of verse 22. And this is, you know, this is, we can apply it in any context, but it's talking about brothers. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which is to mean impiate, just kind of impiate, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell by Therefore, if you bring your altar, your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly, while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Now I want to jump down to verse 25 very, very quickly. Because it says, agree with your adversary quickly. That means get it up. Don't wait. Don't drag it out. If there's an issue, say, hey, brother. Hey, sister. We've got an issue. You've got to understand it because this is what happens. Because we people, when we sit on those things, mm -hmm. what it does is it festers within us. Mm -hmm. And in our minds, we have blown this thing into a big ordeal. And the person who we may have an issue with, they're living their life. They're not even worried about you. But we are so conflicted. We are just so mad. And so now when they see us, the things that we do, we're responding to them. Like, I don't really want to talk to you. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Because we had to deal with it. Because there is that conflict. And so this is what we do. This is what we do. You know what? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I have to? Why should I have to? Because what it says in Matthew, it says, therefore, leave your gift and go your way. This is you. You do that. You do those things. So again, that comes with a great deal of self-examination and understanding. But that's how important it is. And see, now we've got to understand why that's now to bring the point home. John 4, 23, 24. But the hour is coming and now it is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, conflict. Gerard comes in. I, I'm getting ready. On Sunday, I'm waking up. I'm ready to go. I'm going to worship. I'm ready to sing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read some scriptures. That's what I'm coming to do. But wait a minute. Let me not go over there offering up this worship. Offering up myself as a living sacrifice when I have unresolved issues with my brother within my life. That's how big it is because how then can we worship in spirit and truth when there's unresolved conflict within us? And we know this thing. 
But we've got to understand. That's what we've got to be. We've got to stick to the Word of God. The Word of God has got to stick to us. And again, his position will never change. It's just we have to do those things. Teams to get near to him. Because again, that worship and spirit issue, we say that all the time. But we've got to look within ourselves and make sure that when we worship, we are that living sacrifice. Because we're going to give up the best. We're not going to give him anything that we know. We know what else to give No. We give him the best. So we've got to understand, we've got to work through us and allow the word of God to work through us. Because the beauty of all of this, everything that I've said, is God will move for He's waiting on us. He is sitting back. When we go through things, he is like, what? You guys go, um, what you going to do? You going to call on me? What you going to do? Because he's waiting on us. So we've got to understand those things. And it's, so now we understand that we have confidence. We conflict with the world. We understand those things. Christ was rejected by the faith. So we know we're going to do with that as followers of his word. Internally, you know, we've got to work towards it. There are things that we have got to get over to do the will of the Father. And nice. We see if we, uh, the scripture teaches that he did the will of the Father. Same thing with Peter. Jesus and those two will before him. And so now we also understand that we can conflict amongst each other. But we deal with each other in love. And, and that right there helps us to resolve because we're living our lives that are produced by, in such a way to produce those fruits of the Spirit. And so now, we have to understand that there's a benefit to those things. Like I said, that positive conflict. We know that it's going to be there, but now we're prepared for it. Because we know that the Word of God says, hey, you know, if we lean on Him, we'll be good. But what it does, is we've got to look at it as, as an opportunity to grow and be strong. And again, I, I just love this example about moving forward. Those positive yards, two, three of them. We're praying more. We're fellowshipping more. We're studying more. And we're constantly, anytime we're conflicting, those are the things that we dig into. And those are things that, we, that strengthen us because we know that's how we resolve our conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I trust and pray that something has been said today that uh, is beneficial. Yeah. I, I, I just am thankful for this opportunity. Yeah, it's just, these are things that as you study, when you study, you have to allow the word of God to like some There are some portions in this study where I step it off. I say, you know what? Oof, I've got to look at me. What am I doing with my life? And that has to be us every day. We've got to make sure that when we're conflicted, we're representing the gospel because that's how we live our lives. Right. So again, if you're here today and you haven't made that commitment to Christ in his body, you've heard some of the Romans 10, 17. Believe in John 8, 24. Understanding that this is how you can get over any conflict you have with your life. When you go out with you are just tired of being beat down by life. Every day, dealing with something like my job, family, whatever it is, you have those things. You can come down, make the decision. You can make your own decision. You don't have to repent. Acts 2, 32. Confess that he is the Son of God, Christ. Matthew 10, 32. Understand that you know what? That's my resolution. That's where I'm trying to go. I understand those things. And be baptized. When we come up out of that world, what we are now are beneficiaries of that salvation, of that resolution. So now we don't have to. And if you are members by God, and you're dealing with some things in your life. Because something is going to happen. Come back to him. Ask him for strength. More strength. And so we can pray to him. Study him. Fellowship. Cling to his words. Ask for prayer. And after saying all those things, come now. Let's get him to stand for the petition. 629. Oh, do not let the world depart.